Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Uh, as I just remarked to you, it looks like we watched the wrong game tonight. There was mm-hmm. a, looks like a Canada-Mexico game was a really thrilling game. Canada beat Mexico. I guess we're, Canada's now in first place uh, first for the, place. for the Northern Western Hemisphere um, conference. And yeah. is in the World Cup, I'm guessing. Like, I, I haven't followed it that closely, honestly. Well, but uh, there's, The top three go to the World Cup. And now after eight eight out of 14 games, Canada's sitting in first place. So they're in, uh, they're in a very good spot. Driver's quite, seat. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely where they are now. Two, wins in, Ed, two wins in Edmonton. Bit of a shocker for those uh, fellows from Mexico to experience Edmonton weather in mid-November, especially this weather. <laughs> you know, they'll probably be complaining bitterly in Mexico oh, yeah. about how unfair that is. But how many times does Canada have to play in 30, 35 degree weather, right? Like, we're not used to that. So, turnabout is fair play, my Mexican friends. Um, they schedule games at, like, the hottest time of the day, right? Azteca yeah. Stadium is in, uh, in um, Estadio Azteca is in uh, uh, high above sea level. Like, there's a lot of disadvantages. They were calling uh, Commonwealth Stadium... Stadio Aisteca. <laughs> I didn't see a minute of it. Maybe I'll hardy, go back. Hardy fans that were out there tonight, and good on you for getting out to support your national team. I like it. I love it. Yeah. And you made a good choice to watch that instead of this hockey game, just to get us back on point. Uh, yeah. So the Oilers' grudge match against the Winnipeg Jets doesn't turn out to be much of a grudge at all. Um, Bruce. We'll just get right into it. Yep. Um, you know, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers. But I just think I got to start with a bad thing. Okay. You know, I've remarked on this before. I'm doing it again tonight. When a goalie lets in a stinker goal early in the game, you hardly ever see the team recover and come back and win. You hardly ever see it. And I was thinking maybe, maybe tonight will be different. This is a different Oilers team, right? This is a team that can score a lot of goals. So there's a slightly different dynamic when you have that kind of offensive power. You know, they could easily have come back and got a quick goal. But when they did get some great chances, they couldn't score. So my first bad thing was Miko Koskinen <laughs> letting in that outside shot. Uh, um, outside the top of the faceoff circle, he obviously easily should have had that shot and it dribbled in. You know, he he otherwise was actually not bad this game at all. He he was peppered with 14 grade A shots. Um, he let, you know, of the grade A shots, he he only let in three of them, which is not bad when you get 14. If you just let in three, that's that's okay goaltending at least. But it was, everything went sour after that in the orders. Um, it just takes the, it just takes the life out of your team for some reason. And I, uh, you know, maybe there's examples that people can think of, even with the Oilers, where they've come back and won those games. But I, I can hardly think of any. You get one back and it goes away, but uh, they didn't yeah. bother to get one back until the third period. And the fact is that uh, uh, the Winnipeg Netminder played better than the Edmonton Netminder tonight, and that's a, you know that's a theme that we saw in the playoffs last year. Even when the Edmonton goalie played pretty well, Connor Hellebuck played better. And he was comfortably uh, 
he made a number of big saves for uh, the Jets, and Koskinen did make some good saves, but Oilers were behind the whole game, and the big part of the reason was that early stinker. I thought he tried to catch it. It went through his – he didn't get his glove down. It went through his legs, just, you know, just uh, uh, through between his, uh, you know, upper legs. And then I thought he was – it was going so slowly, I thought he was just going to swing around and get his paddle on it, and he kept, brought his paddle down on the wrong side of the puck. And I mean, and if there's one play where Mikko Koskinen is going to burn, like, whatever, like, goodwill that he's built up this year, which is a lot – if he wants to burn it all in one play, first shot of the game, let in one like that. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna have people on his case tonight, and uh, you know, I'm gonna defend him, but only to a degree. That uh, it sucks being a goalie sometimes, you know. And one of those times when you make a friggin' blunder like that, and you can't hide. Like, he's got he got he's got to fight back, and he actually did fight back pretty well, and he was okay. You know, if Hyman Hyman had two absolutely fabulous scoring chances, yeah. like just the highest level of scoring chances off Mc, of a McDavid feed and then a, on a rebound on, a, I think it was a dry settle shot or, yeah, mm-hmm. it, early in the second. And it was 2 nothing that if he had scored on either of the, those goals, we might have had a game. But mm-hmm. Hellebuck stopped both of those really, 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 really great scoring chances. Bruce, what's your first bad thing? Wait. Well, just one last, just to paraphrase the great Jacques Plante, the uh, former Oiler who's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, he once asked a reporter, how would you like it if your job was if you made one mistake that 15,000 people all yelled at you and threw, I think, crap at you or words to that effect? Uh, it's a it's a fairly famous quote. And I haven't got it word for word, but uh, that was Jacques Plante describing the plight of the goaltender. And I'm pretty sure lots of crap was thrown Mikko's way after that one. And, you know, hard to argue with. I mean, that's that's a tough one to be given up in a game where you would think this would be a game where Edmonton would have come out popping. So here's uh, the my, quote. Here's the Jock Platt quote. Okay. Uh, I just Googled it. So that's what that yeah. was my typing sound was. Okay, yeah. quote. How would you like it if... <laughs> How would you like it in your job if every time you made a small mistake, a red light went on over your desk, Right, 15,000 people stood up and yelled at you? <laughs> well, with yeah. Twitter, it's kind of like that now, I yeah. guess. Like, yeah, well, well Jake thing Snape. on Twitter, man, and you get 500 people, you could get 50 to 500 oh. people yelling at you all at once, so... Um, all right. was a pretty neurotic fellow. Uh, so bad thing. I get to do a bad thing now. Yeah. I, okay. Let's morph right off that bad start and talk about the Oilers' bad starts, of which this is now six games in a row where they let in the first goal of the game, and they've been fighting uphill. Uh, they've done. You know, you could say they did well to win three out of six games, but they got you know six points in six games. That's actually falling back in the NHL if you're never getting loser points in your losses, and you better be winning more than you're losing. Right, because Calgary, every time they lose, they get a point. Did again tonight. Yes. And so twice this week, both teams lost, and Calgary gained two points on Edmonton, you know. Anyway, uh, it's tonight it was, you can say it was Koskinen, but every night you can say, well, somebody wasn't ready or somebody screwed up or uh, the team wasn't sort of really on the jump right off the 
beginning of the game. You know, on the road trip, we count high danger shots. Uh, and I haven't had time to add up the shots on net and that kind of thing. High danger shots. Five first periods on the road trip. 15 for 31 against. 15 to 31. I mean, wake up call. Wake up call. You know, memo to Oilers. Game time is 6 o'clock mountain. Don't be late. Tired of it. Tired of it. I I got no, you know, once in a while it's going to happen. Six games in a row. That's just not good enough. With their high scoring offense, I wonder, and then they played some tougher teams. I just wonder how dialed in they were in terms of how sharp they had to be defensively. And I think they were taken, they were surprised, I think, in these games about how it changes when you're playing tougher teams on the road and you're used to scoring a lot of goals and that's your mindset. And now you got to change things up a bit. Now you got to crank it up on defense and they were unable to do so in these games as indicated by that first period play. And one of the people who failed to crank it up tonight was usually reliable. Darnell Nurse, who's been playing fantastic this year. He's my second bad thing. I thought he had probably, probably his worst game of the year. He was a culprit on, uh, he was a major culprit on five grade A shots against at even strength. Um, You know, he played a lot of, he had a lot of ice time, but he was not close to getting it done. He just wasn't sharp defensively um, at all. Let me just see what I had in his, I've already posted the game grades. Uh, Turnover on the first Dubois shot, beat again on a dangerous chance by Dubois on the third. Yeah, he just, he was at the center of a lot of the bad things that happened out there. And the owners are going to win and be a strong defensive team. That can't happen. Yeah, Darnell, he's been, I thought his whole road trip was fairly so-so, you know. Uh, He's bouncing back and forth between partners, but that shouldn't matter if you're the number one defenseman on the team. You're, you know, the team needs to be winning your part of the game and you need to be winning some battles and, uh, you know, moving the puck in a good direction. And he makes, you know, every game he makes good plays. Uh, and every game he makes bad plays. But lately the bad has been more outnumbering the good. And, you know, that too is not really good enough. Your second bad thing, Bruce? Yeah, I'm going to go with the bottom six who are getting destroyed out there. Um uh not almost on a nightly basis, but I mean, here's tonight's game, and I know you can you can poke holes in plus minus, uh, and you can say, well, the goalie sieved one in, which is true, uh, and sometimes that's the whole play. Um, but they're not getting anything back at the good end. Tonight you have, uh, let's just do this in numerical order, Kyle Turris minus one, Derek Ryan minus two, Warren Fogel minus one, Brendan Perlini minus two, Zach Casting minus two, Ryan McLeod minus one, right? They had three goals. It was 4 nothing for Winnipeg. They had a power play goal, uh, which was also scored against uh, Fogel and McLeod, and three even strength goals that were all scored against the bottom six. And you can say, well, the first line needs to score more goals, but geez, you can't be climbing up a deficit like that. The, the, the bottom six needs to hold their own, and it's not been happening. And, you know, they... Uh, uh, they didn't create a whole lot tonight. There was one good play. Brennan Perlini actually had a good shot from the high slot that uh, Kyle Turris was uh, uh, in the goalie's kitchen and made it for a very difficult save. But that's few and far between that kind of stuff is happening. 
And it's not like they're ramping it up with the physicality, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but uh, we're just not, uh, we're not seeing them. Um, you know, tonight was a game I thought Winnipeg was really kind of throwing their weight around and Edmonton didn't respond very well at all. And that's part of the bottom six's job is to at least answer the bell on that part of the thing and lay a few licks on the other guys once in a while. Seems like a design flaw of the team. I mean, if you if you have like Turris, Perlini, uh, McLeod, Ryan, you know, none of those guys are physical players. And I don't mind any of, well, I'm not a big fan of Turris. You know, I don't, th- I don't really see what he brings, but I'm not, I, you know, replace Turris with a with a much more physical hustling hockey player and you'll be better off in your bottom six right there like that's an obvious change they could make right away you know uh just a same kind of player AHL NHL replacement waiver wire kind of guy but a different style of player so the tourist experiment has gone on long enough Perlini um that was his first grade a shot of the year on net mm-hmm. and um you know, he does hustle and hit sometimes, so maybe if he, he gets his head around, they can work with him on a different role in the NHL. But they got to work with him on it because he needs to he needs to be even more physical than he is. Um, I, I've liked Ryan off and on. Like, l- let's give him a little time. I mean, that was a that was a terrible bad luck play, like one of his minus marks where he got bowled over from behind by Wheeler. Should have been a penalty. Mm-hmm. That's a penalty. And And... You know, I can see why it wasn't called on a certain level. Like, it's just, it was just almost, you could think it was inadvertent. Although when you watch the replay, you think, no, ad, that was advertent. And uh, Wheeler did it and got away with Wheeler it. Wheeler or Lowry, anyway, whoever it was, was like huge compared to Ryan and just steamrolled him. And then the pass went right through that part of the ice. And yeah, there's. And over the line. And the orders were back on the heels. I think even Koskinen was kind of looking around at the ref saying, how in the hell did you let that go? And. Um, you know, and of course, Nikolai Ehlers, of all guys, to get the the free shot, and he pounded it home. It was a rocket off of his stick. So just the fourth line, just to finish up there, um, or sorry, the bottom six, and that's been well-defined on this team for a number of years now by uh, any time that none of McDavid, Drysaddle, or Nugent Hopkins are on the ice because those three guys are always, among the three of them, they define the top six. This year, bottom six has played uh, without the three of them just over four hours of hockey and yeah. they scored seven goals and allowed 19. 1.65 goals per hour for 4.47 goals against per hour. Like, they're not mucking it up and keeping it. I mean, that's horrible. That's an alarming stat. How is it ever? And it's every year for Edmonton. They've never fixed it. Yeah, Tippett's got to get on this right away. Or Holland, this isn't a Tippett yeah. issue. This is a Holland issue now. Mm-hmm. It's gone on long enough. And again, 100%. you just get, you can switch out players fairly easily here. Like you also have Tyler Benson, who hasn't played that much, but hasn't been as bad as most of them. Like you can switch out players. And if you don't think it's Benson, bring in two other guys. Bring in two or three other guys. Like it's not that hard. You don't have to give up, you know, treasure, great treasure in order to find bottom four players. Yeah. Bring in, you know, Colton Sevier. I don't know why he's not playing. Like he's been better than, um, better than the other guys. He's the best defensive player. Of yes, a, of a he's lot defensively of them, responsible. But unlike he's got no offense either. But that number that I just gave you, that includes Sevier, includes um, um, Benson, includes all of them. 
Yeah. Uh, the ones that were playing high or not. It's the bottom six collectively over 15 games. 7-4, 19 against. So they're down like 0.8 goals per game in five-on-five play. Anytime they've got their, their big guys sitting on the bench, they're just not able to saw off the other part of the game. Hell's sign Adam Cracknell to an NHL contract and bring him up. You know, seriously, what has he got? Let me just check here. He's a good player. He's old, but he's a good player. You know, well, but I, I'm not sure that he's going to raise the level. I mean, in the NHL, he's a bottom sixer. Yeah, exactly. But maybe, uh, anyway, I don't know what they can do to address it. Hmm? 12 points and 12 AHL games for Cracknell. No, he's a good player down there for sure. I think he is too. Anyway, I'm not saying that's the answer, but they, it's time to get it's time to 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 shake it up because what are, it's just they're kind of weird players to have there. Like if, if you know Ryan kills penalties at least, but what did Perlini and Turris do in particular? What what's their job? What's their role on the team? Like I don't even know. So it's not working. Time to make a change. With uh, you know two two replacement level wingers and see what happens. Uh, you're you're good thing, Bruce. Well, I'm going to credit the Oilers' uh, power play for the one bit of pushback that uh, the Oilers had in this game early in the third period, uh, when uh, the score got safe enough ahead for Winnipeg that the uh, referees' game management uh, skills started to take charge of things, and they thought they go. Uh, called one penalty on Winnipeg, and then they had to call the second one. I, I, the, the guy who ran, was it Logan Stanley, ran dry sidle from behind, <laughs> face first into the glass? Five so, minutes, man. Two minutes for that, right? Four minutes for an inadvertent stick, but two minutes for running a guy face first in a star player, NHL, get your shit together. Face first into the glass. Anyway, said star player. Thankfully, A, he got up and he stayed on the ice. And clearly he uh, he had his dander up at that point. And he quickly pump, pumped home a pair to make it 4-2. But it was, it was too little too late. Winnipeg had a commanding lead and they weren't about to, to blow it. But the uh, the quick pushback from the power, especially the first goal, it took him about 10 seconds. And, and the same guy that had gotten fouled was pounding one home. Uh, Leon had he only had four shots in the whole game, and they all came on that uh, extent that extended power play sequence. He had two shots on the play where he got hammered into the boards, and then he had two more that went into the net. So, but he got how many times did he got cross checked in this game, David? Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, I wasn't counting Bruce. Yeah, I wasn't counting either, but it would it was a significant number. I mean, Pionk and Stanley were laying the lumber on. Uh, and every time, and uh, it, it was. Um, I gave him a, gave it a bonus point in his mark in his game grade for, for hammering the, for, the hit, for hammering Pionk, mm-hmm. uh, who oh. promptly embellished. Um, yeah. yeah, it was great to see Drysaddle unleash the executioner's shot, Bruce, and score that goal. I mean, it's always great to see him play. What is he? I was going to look that up. How many goals does he have this year? Seventeen now? goals in fifteen games total. Uh, on one timers, probably what close to ten of them. Wow. Yeah, we could. I could look that up. I should. Even I the, should. even the second one, I was pretty much a one timer. I thought, but not the executioner shot, but a quick shot that found the target. So that's 
at least they made the score a little bit respectable. But uh, make no mistake, the the uh, to me hungrier team won that game. Yeah, a hunger hungrier team, a better team tonight. Yeah. Oh, they have an up. Yeah, seventeen goals, fifteen games. Amazing. What an amazing. He's having he's had himself a year. He's having himself a year. More goals uh, and assists. I never thought I would see the day that Leon Dreisaitl would have more goals and assists. Even though I expect a lot of goals, you know, it's he's really become a shooter. He's most dangerous as a shooter. The next best guy, Ovechkin, has 12 goals in 15 games. Kreider, 12 goals in 15. And Kyle Connor, who's a real sniper, too, 12 goals in 15 games. Ed Connor is a dangerous hockey player. He's an excellent hockey player on the attack. Uh, my good thing was Tyson Berry, Bruce. Mm-hmm. All, the, all, all the other Oilers D-men were kind of leaking uh, grade-A shots against Evan Bouchard. We had him tagged for six major mistakes on grade-A shots against it. So another rough night for Bouchard. Barry zero, not not one major mistake on a grade A shot against at even strength. Although he there was on the power play, he he and uh, McDavid gave up a breakaway there, but um, he played very well. He had a really strong game. He was good on the attack. He made a lot of contributions on the attack. Strong decision making. Um, that's his A game, and we see Tyson Barry's A game every third game. Mm-hmm. So uh, and then we see probably a, a B game. And then we see a D game. So that's that's Tyson Berry's kind of run on the season. Great to see that A game, though. Um, he's fun to yeah. watch when he's playing well, isn't he? Yeah, it's interesting how sharp he can be when he's really mm-hmm. good. And it's his inconsistency is also interesting, actually, because he's not a young player. Nope. He's a veteran player. And um, maybe it just comes with someone who handles the puck so much and takes risks on the attack. But it's almost like when he doesn't take those risks and just decides to play like like I'm going to be a defensive defenseman tonight and chip in on the attack when I can. It's in it's when he does that when that's his mindset, and I'm just guessing here. I have no idea, but it seems like that's that's when I when I see that in his play, he just keep when he keeps it simple, he's he's a good NHL defenseman who can play in a top four role. But again, that's just maybe every second game at most that that we see that Tyson Berry. But again, good to see. So six, six for him for Bouchard, five for Nurse. Did you say? Yeah. And how many for Keith and Cece? Three, three at for even Keith. Strength. At even strength. This is all even strength. One for right. Cece, just the one for Cece. Oh wow, okay. And they got torched on that power play a couple times too. They so. did. They did. It was. It was not Cece's best game. It was not Keith's best game. But it was Tyson Berry's best game. We're done the bad things. All right, what's your number? What's your number, Bruce? Okay, my number is 60%. Uh, and this is a percentage of uh, of hits by Edmonton for- forwards that Kyler Yamamoto had in this game. 5'8", 153 pounds. He had three hits. And the other 11 forwards on the Oilers had two hits in a physical game against a rival team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year, and they brought two hits to the table, all but the smallest forward on the team. Not acceptable. Oilers, get it together. That is You've got to push back. You've got to push back. There was one play, David, where Cassian or Fogel, I can't remember which one dumped it into the end boards, and they both went to the end boards, and I thought, okay, here comes a hit or two. And they both hit the boards. They, you know, they both skated past the Winnipeg guy, and they hit the boards on either side of him. Well, 
that's not exactly going to get her done. And I mean, uh, they were talking about on uh, post game show about how the third line's got big bodies that can push back. Well, uh, Fogel zero hits and uh, Cassian one, Cassian one, McLeod zero, and the Oilers had five forwards tonight who had neither a shot or a hit, nor a hit. Zero zero for Turris, Ryan, Fogel, McLeod, and Nugent Hopkins. No shots, no hits. Kyle Clifford's on waivers. <laughs> or he was. Well, like, he this was, is where we're at. Throw hits, yeah. So, and it wasn't like, it's not like the, there was one game, maybe it was in Buffalo, where it was like eight to six on hits in the whole game, and it was just a no-hitter. Winnipeg was playing it hard, and they Edmonton had to push back, and I just didn't think they did. And I, I'm actually concerned about how this team's going to match up against a, a physical uh, uh, team that doesn't mind taking the extra shot, like Winnipeg Jets, Jets were doing consistently through this game. I mean, Dreisaitl himself was pushing back. McDavid pushed back. Well, where are the foot soldiers in that part of the game? Yeah, Pionk, five hits. Brendan Dillon, five hits. Yep. Dubois, five hits. Mm-hmm. So uh, they had they had yeah. some guys who had it going on and yeah. with the hitting and uh, the Oilers. The Oilers did not. Bruce, um, the grade A shots were sixteen to thirteen overall, but my number is what they were at even strength. Winnipeg had thirteen grade A shots. The Oilers had six at even strength. So this was just part of the Jets' domination. Without the, you know, and the Oilers only scored their their goals in the power play. This was not a close game at even strength. This no. is this was. Now it's the end of a long road trip, and and their number one goalie's out, and blah blah blah. But th- this was a good this was a good embracing wake up call of all the games this year. I think in some ways this was the you know the wake up call uh, to the to the GM about where this team is at and what some of the issues on this team might be. I think they can, I think they can tighten it up. I, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not upset with their demon. I think that they have the demon probably to win. They might need to trade for a, a, a tougher third pairing left demon. If Cuckoo doesn't step up, Russell seems to have lost a step this year. I'm saying so, but they, there are solvable problems on this team on, you know, you got a top six, which can, which competes. Well, Hyman is a good player. He's mm-hmm. made a huge difference to the team. Yeah. Pulley Arby's really come along. They've got a top six. Yamamoto's a good player. They've got the players to play with McDavid and Settle Now they have got to get though, some better role players. Fogel started out strong. Ryan started out strong. They've dropped off. Cassian started out strong. Maybe those guys can recover. So those are three guys you're keeping everybody else. You can replace everybody else, see if you can get better players. And I'm not saying to re- you must replace everyone else, but you got to bring in one or two guys that are more physic- bigger, more physical hockey players. Bob Stoffer has only mentioned the name Lawson Kraus a billion times so far this year. Uh, so maybe that's in the works down the road, but maybe move faster than slower if you think Lawson Kraus is the answer. And, and I don't know if he is or not, but someone like that, a, you know, a bigger physical hockey player is needed on this team on the bottom line because it doesn't like where's Matt Hendricks when you need him like that's the guy they need right or Alex Chase on Bruce you know he at least he added something he was on good on the power play and he he was a strong defensive defensive he was a strong defensive winger and a physical winger 
where what are these guys? Mm-hmm. So you can't blame everything on the bottom two lines, but when, when they're getting outscored like that, you kind of can too. It just worries me, David, that this kind of conversation that we're having right now is the exact same kind of talk that preceded um, Steve Tambellini going out and trading for Mike Brown, you know, or <clears throat> my favorite when uh, Peter Shirelli went out and got uh, Alex uh, Petrovich and Brandon Manning on the same day after uh, San Jose handed orders their lunch after Christmas there that that one year and they, they said, well, we, we need cycle-busting defensemen. I know, let's get two of them. And, of course, they didn't move the needle either. Like, you, But they, they were trying to plug much a much bigger hole there in a much more desperate fashion, Bruce, I'm going to say, in terms of the, like, com- the comparison of the two situations. Well, the, I'm just saying not, it's the same kind of conversation. The people say they got to get tough. But I, gotta, I think that there could be a solution here. I think if with some good scouting and some good, you know, heads-up GMing here, you could find that player. I, you know, they needed to be able to to break the cycle either by physical play or by passing, which was what they really needed. And they, you know, of course, Shirelli misread it again. He went for the heavy hockey solution, him and Hitchcock, instead of bringing in some people who can move the puck. Although they did bring in that guy from Ottawa, right? Weidman, I think. Yeah. And that, that didn't, so they tried a number of different things. Nothing worked because nothing was going to work. That, you know, it was, it, the team was a bit of a mess then. So this team isn't a mess. This is a good team. Just a few few holes to plug, like you know, so you can saw off that even strength thing. Hey, play Colton Sevier if he's if he's if he's not causing problems on defense. If he's not, you know, at least you have a solid defensive player. Find three solid defensive hockey players who are not going to give up goals against when they're on, on the ice. That isn't the guys they have right now in those roles. Find find guys who are then, and. Crank, you know, you hope that hope that Fogel, Cassian, and and Ryan can can crank it up, which I think they can. Uh, you know, they started out strongly. I think Fogel and Ryan can. We'll see with Cassian. He's had a bit of a strange year, and um, we'll see how it goes with him. He got back in the lineup tonight, but uh, to me, he went through the motions. Like, totally did. He had one floater of a shot from outside the faceoff circle. Um, where he was in position to let fly, but it was he just lobbed one into the bread basket. That was his shot. Whatever his hit was, I don't remember it, but he certainly didn't light anybody up. And it's, you know, I mean, being a competent bottom sixer, uh, I mean, if that, you know, at $3.2 million uh, cap hit, you, you know, you need to be doing something to move the needle. Well, I saw nothing from that player tonight. Now, I, I single him out, and I shouldn't because there's lots of other guys that didn't move the needle either. But the overall problem with the bottom six, I mean, we went through it with the bad things earlier, so. Alrighty. Well, Thanks. let's, uh, let's <laughs> let's maybe we can, I don't know if you taped the soccer game. I didn't, but I think you'd probably go watch right. it on replay. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's a, par- there's a scene that's all over Twitter right now of the Canadian players, I think, scoring a goal and jumping in a snow, bl- snow bank which is just pure joy. So let's let's leave it on that, that that great moment for Canada, for this Canadian soccer team, whose best days evidently are yet to come. And it's great to see the Canadian men step up, just like the Canadian yeah. women have in soccer. Mm-hmm. The men are, are, have it going on, and they, they've got some primetime talent, Bruce. They've got some players who are at the very top of their leagues yeah. in terms of positional play and um, in Europe. So... Uh, they got a heck of a coach in uh, John Herdman, too, that was a... 
a dominant coach on the women's side for a long time and made the transition to the men's game and now he's succeeding there. So I think we're dealing with a legitimately strong uh, uh, coach for the uh, national program and that's something that's uh, uh, not always been the case. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I wish I would. I wish I'd seen these games. I mean, I, I find actually like when the to go on, to them. Oh. Yeah, I wish, but I find when the season's on because I'm playing coaching hockey, and then there's our Oilers' responsibility. Right. I don't have time for any other sports. I watch the odd Manchester United highlight package, like ten minutes of a game, like that you can get. But other than that, I don't watch anything. So, all right, Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And Thursday night rematch against same team. They, uh, they need to be ready for the start of the game against the Jets on Thursday. And if they're not, I will officially be very concerned. Right now, I'm just that concerned. But got to be ready to go against Winnipeg Jets at home on Thursday night. Indeed. All righty. Anyway, thanks, thanks, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime... And in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Good night. To our ranting. <laughs>